Welcome back to another episode of the JBM Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McGue, with host Blake Ashen and filling in for Max Keen. Special guest, Ibuki Stone. Welcome to the podcast, Ibuki. We'll be starting off tonight talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, your 2021 NBA champions. Can they repeat, yes or no? Yes. I think so. I think so, too. I think it's possible. It will be harder. Like, obviously, some people are going to debate. Did they Did they get a little lucky? Yes. Everybody's going to get a little lucky in an NBA Finals run. So... Yeah, are they gonna get definitely. that? Are they gonna get that same luck next year? Who knows? Another team is, may get the better luck, but you, you. I hear a lot of people say like, "Oh, the Bucks got lucky." Every team gets lucky in a finals run in any sport. There's a little bit of luck in any sport. And, uh, absolutely, yeah. I think like perhaps the Bucks. Well, I think really any team that made it this far got a bit more luck than in other years because of injuries or whatever factor that were just insane this year. But again, that's a factor every year. So if you start discounting this finals, then then where does it end? What else do you discount? I think Bucks won it absolutely fair and square. And I think really they're talented enough that they can win it again next year. For sure. I think we definitely saw that, especially in the these six finals games, especially the last four, which they won. Absolute great performances from Giannis, Chris, and the rest of the team. 100%. Giannis and, just played out of his mind. Like, I could tell in, in game six, he was not going to let his team lose at all. He just, I could see it in him that, like, he's like, no, there's no way this happens. I don't know what it was about him. Like, he, what, shot 17, 19 from, for free throws? Like, 17 for 19 from the line. Is that, yeah. the, is that the best he has had all playoffs, maybe? Oh, yeah, for sure in the playoffs, that's his best. Yeah, not, not career, because, like, there's probably a... There's probably one night where he had like what perfect on like two att- two attempts, but well, I think if you go like minimum ten attempts, this is like I think his third best free throw shooting performance. He was just locked in on every a- on every aspect. Five blocks too. That's just insane. One of the best, and, few, and he had a couple like goal tens that were like pretty close. So like, yeah, there's like two of those. It were goal tens, but if it was like feeble rules, like those would be blocks. So like. He, he was definitely yeah. like all over could it, the could, court, it was close to, and If you count those other blocks, close to a triple double with blocks. What what very much impressed me about the Bucks was even when a part of their offense was faltering, uh, namely Drew Holiday and uh, some of the earlier games. Uh, everyone else stepped up, whether it's Chris Middleton hitting like step back threes at the end of the games, like incredibly difficult shots that people really don't give him enough credit for. And or like Pat Connaughton off the bench, even, even Jeff Teak had a few plays I can, I, I, I can think of. He had a couple threes we, early in the series. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Bucks team performances is what really, I think definitely more consistent than the Suns overall that's what really impressed me and that's why i think that even if the nets are fully healthy it'll be obviously an incredibly difficult task but the bucks if there's any team in the east that can take them down i don't really think it's the sixers to be honest i think it's the bucks yeah i think I agree. like what's really interesting is um uh, pat content had the second most three pointers made for milwaukee and the third most in the whole series. The the two people to beat him were Chris Middleton and Jay Crowder. So it was just outside of Chris, those other two guys kind of role players that were hitting big threes for both teams, but especially Milwaukee. And they were getting continued production from him alongside like Bobby Portis and like Brooke Brooke isn't much of a I wouldn't consider him much of a role player, but he kinda of was like more delegated into like that role player role this series, getting less minutes and he was still be able to be productive offensively off the bench. Not off the bench, but just he didn't play as much. And I, I can't speak for some of the earlier games, but I know in the later games, uh, Bucks were dominating in uh, on the glass. Really, I can't think of like a, a main starter who was like absent. Although Brook Lopez's game four was a tad odd at uh, one rebound. Yeah. Where I mean, were Drew Holiday at seven? Rebounder. <laughs> yeah. I think what's interesting also is Pat Conton had 10 offensive rebounds this series. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, uh, in a few clutch moments, too. I can remember Mm -hmm. uh, 
think maybe Devin Booker missed a three and Pat Connaughton getting box out still. Pat Connaughton very much impressed me with this offensive rebounding. Yeah. It's that kind of hustle that tires out defenses greatly. Like, yeah, they had sure. so many good hustle players. Like he had, and then PJ Tucker obviously always does defensively, and he also had twelve offensive rebounds throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. Exactly, uh, and PJ Tucker too. Like uh, PJ Tucker came with a fire that I think, uh, I, I think every Finals team kind of needs that in some way. Mm-hmm. PJ Tucker definitely came with that, uh, and perhaps appearing slightly annoying to fans at times. But I mean, definitely, I can't think of one player on the Bucks who like didn't have that X factor. You can point to some of the players on the Suns and say they weren't aggressive; they didn't go for all the loose balls. Like, uh, not to single anyone out, but like if you're Cam Johnsons, you're Mikhail Bridges, great players, but not quite as seasoned as the Bucks. Yeah, for sure. I was just looking at the stat here and. Uh, when did the, was the merger for NBA and ABA, was that in like the seventies, right? That's in the seventies. Yeah. 70s. So since the merger, there have only been three players to drop 50 points in a finals game, MJ, LeBron, and now Giannis. Mm-hmm. Cause you have Rick and Barry. I know for a fact, Giannis is the only one to do it in a finals clinching, clinching. game. That's, I was trying to look for that stat. Who the only the other person points? that did that was a mob. Bob Pettit in 19, I want to say 46 with the Atlanta, yeah. not the Atlanta Hawks, the St. Louis Hawks. Yeah. He dropped 50 in 1958, uh, but I'm not seeing another one. But yeah, so he all-time finals leaders and records for points. He's tied with Bob Pettit for 50. But like I said, you got Elgin Baylor, Elgin. Uh, Rick Barry, Jerry West, and Bob Pettit. All those dudes played before the merger. So if you if you look at just the merger, you got MJ LeBron. LeBron had one more point, and then Giannis at 50. So he this is easily one of the best finals performances in, like, ever. One of sure. the best ever. Series-wide, too. Yeah. Like, like, he averaged, like, 35 points 35 a game, 13 rebounds, rebound, 6 insane. assists. That's just in, insane from I'm pretty sure he's like eighth player. all time in like points per game in a finals. And that's including that like, sub, not sub parks, he'll score 20 points. That lesser game one where he was still for coming back from that injury, he was still playing kind of passive. Really, I'm not sure that uh, Giannis' performance in the past, finals performance in the past decade is really rivaled by anybody but LeBron in 2016. Yeah. So you Honestly, look back yeah, at, the, at the Lakers probably. series, it was sort of an even split between AD and LeBron, uh, perhaps Kawhi, but I mean, that's in- incredibly impressive performance by Giannis. And I think cements his place, frankly, already. Uh, and I, I don't want to maybe call it too early, but I feel like he'll end up, if he's not there already, definitely in the top 50 all-time NBA players. Oh, for sure. By the end of his career, I'm, I'm assuming you mean. Yeah. I think he's already in top 50 all-time at least. And then I think maybe. end of career, I and think we can expect the top 15 to maybe even like top, top 10, 10, top 5. Yeah. That's that's a bit more of a stretch, but definitely top 15 for sure. I think, yeah. It career. would be, he'd have to, like, he's starting it young with what, he has two MVPs, a finals MVP, a ring, a depoy, an MIP. Uh, like, he's starting it off well, but he still mm-hmm. probably has 10 more years when he's 26. So, yeah. At least ten more years if he can get. Just to put it in perspective, like Jordan won his first ring at twenty-seven, LeBron at either twenty-seven or twenty-eight. Yeah. So. so like he's got time. He's he is he has got time, and he has the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. It was just what was really like nice. To, like what I loved watching was like him after the game, and just like how how he acted. I don't know why, but I always like watching the athletes after the star players on team after because they're always like, I don't know what it is. Just it's so fun to watch him and then like all the videos of him like going to chick-fil-a and <laughs> ordering like 50 chicken nuggets i don't know if you guys saw that clip yeah i did and like he asked the worker are you okay with being filmed he had like one hundred fifty thousand people watching him on instagram live that was so funny like he's just a funny dude he's a, you- he what he's doing is uh on a base level just looks really funny and cute and all that but he's becoming more or less 
the face of the NBA in the wake of LeBron, who will soon be leaving. Him and Luca, I believe, are the future faces of the NBA. Yeah, for sure. They're probably the next LeBron, uh, KD type thing. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I totally agree. And then that's great to see. And to put in context, uh, Bleacher Report came out with their ranking of the top 50 all-time. Uh, Pau Gasol comes in at 46. Oh, for sure. I, I don't know about you, but I think Giannis is, already has accolades that could rival yeah. those with Pau Gasol. I think for sure. Um, Ray Allen at 44. Yeah. I think Giannis is probably there. He's, def- if he, he's definitely in top 50 then. Pau Gasol, yeah. is that is his son, Mark Gasol? Or, uh, no, they're brothers. Brothers? Oh. It's like, it's like a four-year difference. Pau oh. played with uh, Kobe for in like some, 2010. For some reason, I thought it was like his dad or something. I thought he was like a really old player. Because I thought his brother was something else, named something else. Um, what, what, who I think was the real star of, in my, in my own viewing, who evolved the most for me, and this is really just a product of me not paying that much attention, but Chris Middleton did not flop whatsoever. He came up so much greater than I even expected. And uh, really, he's an all-star. People forget that. People don't put him on the same level of a, of a, of a Jason Tatum or other all, all, all other levels of that caliber, but really I think he's, he's there right now. People just don't give him credit because he's the best second guy. Yeah, for sure. I think people also kind of forget that he was, like, I think either one or two shots away from being 50-40-90 last year back in 2020. Yeah, and really he's, I mean, like, you can't even take it away from him now. He's proved that he can be the second star on NBA championship team. Um, much more on than, on, I think, perhaps. I, I think he's what Jamal Murray... Uh, I, I shouldn't say Devin Booker because Devin Booker will become a primary ball handler in the next coming years, but uh, Jamal Murray, that's that's who I think he should strive to be. Is it Chris yeah, Middleton? Yeah. I saw I saw something that was like uh, Middleton's performance in this series rivaled that of uh, what do you what's his name Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler uh, in the finals last year. So. Yeah, obviously Butler has better defense. He was guarded by LeBron instead of being guarded by like Mikhail Bridges, who still is a very good wing defender. Obviously, he's not compared doesn't compare to LeBron, but still he still put up a insanely good playoff run overall. Even though there was some inconsistencies where he had like eleven point games, but then followed him up by like forty point games. Um, yeah. Uh, coming into the podcast just now is our Mister Max Hinol. Yeah. Uh, welcome back, Max. Thank you. How are we liking the Bucks for next year's finals? They're probably the favorites in the East because they just won the championship. Defending champs always get. Well, well, right now, NBA Futures have the Nets at plus 225, then the Lakers at plus 450, then the Bucks at plus 800. So they actually aren't the favorite in the East. I have them ahead of the Lakers. I don't have them ahead of the Nets. Yeah, the, the, the Nets are 9-4 to four odds. So, And then the Lakers are 9-2 to two odds. So I guess we can move into our next topic, uh, our... I mean, I would, do we want to give? Finals do we want to have Max give his? Do you, do you have anything to say about? I'm sure, yeah. Do you have anything to say about the finals, Max? Like the final game? We kind of just wrapped um, it up, but. I mean, it was a great series. Giannis was Giannis. That's one of the best finals performances to clinch a series. Probably the best that I've seen, and uh, it was good to watch. That was a great performance. With that said, uh, starting next year. Uh, with some very early odds, obviously, that will undoubtedly change. But the Brooklyn Nets open at 9-4 to four odds. Uh, behind that, the Lakers at 9-2 to two odds. The Bucks at 8-1 to one odds. And closing out the top five, both at 12-1 to one odds. The Golden State Warriors and the Utah Jazz. Uh, I guess we can start with Yui Buki. Who do you think is overrated and who do you think is underrated in these uh, opening odds? I think the most overrated team by far is the Golden State Warriors. They were uh, an eight seed coming into the playoffs. They lost in the play-in. And all of a sudden, adding Clay Thompson, who hasn't played for two years, is supposed to make them a one of the a top five like finals odds team. I, I don't buy that. Unless there's some big trade in the offseason, I, I don't see them winning a title. 
And my other overrated team in the top five, I guess, would be the Los Angeles Lakers. I still think they have pretty good odds, but I think they're put too high if you consider the fact that they're in a, a stacked West. And I don't know. We, we got to see LeBron AD post-injury, and LeBron's going to be 37 next year. I, I would absolutely agree uh, that the Warriors are highly overrated. Really, the only major piece of their offense or their team, I should say, that was missing last year was Clay Thompson. Uh, and ACL injuries are hard as hell to come back from. I don't think people acknowledge that often enough. Uh, Clay Thompson, I, I obviously hope he'll come back at full strength, but that's a huge question mark. Even if he does come back at full strength, the Warriors are not what they used to be. And I don't think... I think there are several teams that you can look at in the West and say that are definitively better, including, I would say, and this may be controversial, the Denver Nuggets who are slotted at 20 to 1 odds. Uh, yeah, I think the Warriors are highly overrated. And then also, as I have overrated, the Phoenix Suns at 14 to 1 odds. They did just make the finals, but uh, I think a whole lot of factors had to come together that for them to make the finals that I don't believe will fall together again. Uh, and that's even if Chris Paul stays, if Chris Paul leaves, you may as well throw their chances out the door, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I've saw that there were some reports that uh, Lakers are looking to add a, I think it was either Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook. Yeah. They want a veteran point guard, which makes yeah, sense because guard. right now their point guards were like are, Dennis Schroeder yeah, and they're, LeBron They're, was basically the point guard mm -hmm. of that team, and that didn't go out so I well. Think, they didn't have any playmaking outside LeBron. Because what? Chris Paul has a $44 million player option? Yeah. So Something like that. Do you think the Lakers, he could go to Lakers on that player option with four, for 44 mil? No, that's not how player options work. Oh, how do they work then? For a player he, option, if he accepts his player option for $44 million, he's basically re-signing with the Suns. But if then he if he would, declines it, then he gets to sign a new contract with? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So he could take like a significant pay cut to be on a NBA championship team team yeah. probably. Contender, yeah. Okay. Uh for me, with that list, I agree completely with the Buki. I don't know who made that, but adding Clay Thompson to the Warriors does not change them from an eight seed to the fifth best odds at winning the, the title. Those are those official Vegas odds. I don't know who did that. Um another overrated team, I think it's the Lakers too. LeBron is good, and I think they will be very good with AD, but I don't think they're going to be able to get far enough if they don't add another piece around those two. Agreed, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in that list, who I see is slightly underrated. This may be controversial, I understand. But uh, the Washington Wizards at 10th lowest odds at 150 to 1. I'm not sure I'd necessarily say they're underrated, but I do believe that they have a much stronger chance than a few other teams that uh, I'll make it higher than them in this list, uh, notably the Chicago Bulls and, frankly, even the New York Knicks. I think the Washington Wizards are one big free agent signing away from being like a fourth seed, whereas I don't think the Bulls are. Uh, maybe they are. I guess the thing with the Wizards is maybe Vegas is betting on the fact that one of Beal or most likely Westbrook gets traded. Mm. Fair, yes. That would be something that Vegas odds. I, I don't really count. anticipate them like going all in right now. If anything, I think they would sell and rebuild. Mm -hmm. I guess the the Bulls. I mean, it kind of makes sense because they have like talented players in like Vucevic and uh, Levine. But like they're kind of like the Wizards, where their rotation isn't, their depth isn't really there yet. So I don't think they have really good odds either. A couple teams I underrated would be the Nuggets. You're getting Jamal Murray back, and I think Murray's playmaking is super underrated, especially because they have Jokic. But that was like a glaring weakness when they were playing against the Suns that they just like didn't have enough playmaking with just Jokic. Uh, I, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and their I, I, depth is better than more people recognize. Mm -hmm, so you can continue. Sure. And I personally think the Knicks are kind of a bit underrated. They had like one of the a really bad playoff performance by Ma 
both Barrett and Julius Randle. So they didn't do well this year, but I think they had a really good regular season. And assuming that core stays, if D Rose stays, I think they could run it back. And I don't think they're like a favorite or anything by any means, but I think they could be around that like four to five seed again and maybe make it to like the second round, maybe do a Hawks and maybe make it to the conference finals. Do you guys think D Rose could be the starting point guard in a championship team? Like, do you think D Rose could help the Lakers? No. I think he could, as long as, like, he's also, like, the fourth best player on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah I think he's, he's good enough like, as, like, a pure point guard, like, a pass-first point guard, to be, like, the point, a starting point guard on a championship team. Even though, for a championship team, his role is probably better as, like, that six-man point guard. But. Just, like, better in leadership. Mm-hmm. He, he could be, like, the, the Rajon Rondo or the Lou Williams of Ama. The Lakers, for example. Okay. But it's, well, with, with a team like the Lakers, they're also kind of interesting because, like, LeBron is such a facilitator that, like, I guess you don't really need as good of a point guard. So I think, I think for the Lakers specifically, I think um, uh, Derrick Rose could work out, but for most teams, probably not. The issue is you have to have the depth behind him because, uh, bless his heart, I'm not sure how much longer Derrick Rose can continue going at around 30 minutes per game. I think he's already dipped uh, – a good amount below that so uh, i guess perhaps caruso is a, a decent second option contavious caldwell pope but you can't rely on him too much i think he, what ibuki says is perfectly correct which is that he has to be like your fourth option on the on the lakers i could see it happening for sure do they have the money i mean i don't, I don't even know how that whole system works but i could see it happening they could probably definitely free up money if they like sign and traded uh, like Schroeder or something away, which uh, they they should do. I I'm not sure I've seen any player have a downfall quite like Dennis Schroeder's in like the span of like a season and a half. Yeah, I feel like some teams that are underrated. Uh, I'm trying to look at this list. No, not the Celtics because they lost they lost Jalen Brown right. No, they traded away Kemba Walker. Kemba but, Walker, I mean, He wasn't yeah, doing very sorry. good for them. They just need to get yeah. rid of his contract. I expect them to – they're I freeing mean, up money for, like, a, I think a decent free agent uh, pickup. I, I think the Atlanta Hawks are decently un- – like, they made it to the Eastern Conference semifinals. They made it to the finals. Sorry, yeah, sorry. I, I, was, uh, I was thinking NBA finals, so com- semifinals. Sorry, the, uh, the Eastern Conference finals and, like – we're doing decent. I think they probably the t- some teams above them probably better than the Mavericks. But then like Nuggets, Clippers, Seventy Sixers, no. But like I think they could su- surprise some people if they like Trey Young is obviously really good. Uh, if they make some additions, I feel like their depth kind of lacked. Oh, I completely disagree. I think their depth is strong. I think it just Trey Young's their only like quote unquote star. Like, cause they they had a bunch of solid yeah. guys like John Collins, Clint Capella. They they didn't have um uh, that DeAndre Hunter, option. but they have Hunter. They they had Cam Reddish towards the end of that playoff run. Kevin Herter, like all these good guys. They need like a second star, I guess. Yeah, they need that. And, they need that Chris Middleton. He doesn't even have to be amazing. He just has to be somebody they can, who on occasion can go out and get a forty ball. Like Trey Young can't be your only dude who can put up forty plus. If you want to make a run at the finals, mm, I disagree. I that's I don't think that's good criteria at all. I think instead of a guy that can occasionally get forty, like that doesn't matter. Or consistently you guys get that like, can, like consistently get like twenty. Because like, like have have like the guys ceiling. Like that and Collins get... are so reliant on Trey Young like setting them up to score. You need a guy that can score on his own. I guess Bogdanovich can kind of create they a need, bit, but they need a shot kind of creator essentially. They 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 either have to get one in free agency or they need the guys to develop because. The their strength right now is their depth. So I think trading for a piece gives up their depth a little too much. So if they can develop a guy like Cam Reddish to be able to create off the dribble, or like a Bogdanovich or something like that, they can be good. Um, another team that uh, stuck out to me a little bit as a tad underrated, perhaps, is the Boston Celtics at forty to one odds. Uh, Boston Celtics are another team that. Uh, I feel are uh, just one big free agent signing away. Of course, this doesn't necessarily factor into Vegas odds, 
but one free agent signing away from the Eastern Conference Finals. They have uh, really what they need is a solid inside presence. I don't think Tristan Thompson is going to work long term, but if they get, if they were to get a Clint Capella type player, not necessarily him himself, but a Clint Capella type player who's not too ball dependent, not too, but can get you boards at a good interior defensive presence, I like the Boston Celtics a lot. I very much have a lot of faith in Jason Tatum and yeah. I think he's underrated for sure. Not perhaps, but well, I don't think he's necessarily underrated, but I think the Celtics have just gotten forgotten a bit just because they haven't played basketball in over a month. But that, that's that, that too, yeah. I think he's people still have him like rated around like that eleventh through like fifteenth best player in the league mark around the same place as like Devin Booker. But the Celtics for sure, they've made like what three Eastern Conference finals in the past like five years. They made three and four, and then this year obviously they make it again. But like, even though they lost every single one, and two of two of those three were against the LeBron Cavs, they still made it there multiple times. Like they obviously have the skill, if the skills and the players. I, th- I think what perhaps contributes to the odds is the fact that if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, they're playing uh, likely either the Brooklyn Nets, who I'm not sure the Celtics could ever match up to them in their current form. And the Milwaukee Bucks, who just won an NBA championship. Yeah. You take that out of the equation, though, I mean, they have pretty solid odds. I think one thing in the East that's going to be different next year, there for me at least, there are two teams that it's like the Bucks, the Nets, and then really everyone else. Like, I could see the Sixers falling back and the, the Atlanta taking the third spot. I could see a run by the Celtics if they get a free agent. Like, it's not – there aren't really many uh, secure spots other than one and two for me. I would, I would agree with you, Kurt. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And the Sixers are also super interesting because, like, who knows what they do in the offseason with guys like Ben Simmons. Future Trailblazer? <laughs> and that's another thing you could say is, is, is uh, perhaps underrated the Portland Trailblazers because their front office uh, though questionable in the past could make a flashy signing and really Damian Lillard carry this team to a sixth seed imagine what they do with Ben Simmons now Ben Simmons of course is not like your go-to guy if you add a Ben Simmons I feel like their odds jump to for sure like 25 to 1 at least yeah, yeah. They're, they're sitting right now at forty to one. So, even though people in people's mind Ben Simmons in the back of people's minds like Ben Simmons is not good, but that's just because of one bad performance in the playoffs. Like he's still a very good player. I mean, I think he's pretty routinely come up short in the playoffs his whole career, but we've definitely seen what he's capable of doing. Yeah, he, if he maybe has more confidence, maybe becomes doing, a little better. He's capable of doing something at least. If nothing else, he's. Uh, a solid third option. The issue is on a team with the Trailblazers, there's not really a third option. Even their what, second option. Whatever happened option. to CJ McCollum? Did he get injured? Uh, like CJ got injured, injured throughout the regular season. He came back in the playoffs and he kind of did nothing in the playoffs. He yeah. was a choker. But I, 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 I still feel as though in, in a West that's increasingly, I believe, getting kind of clouded with like great but not elite teams like the Warriors of the past uh, a team like the Trailblazers could you never know rise up and make the finals I also think the Raptors at plus 10,000 or 101 odds are super interesting because two years ago with no Kawhi or not last year with no Kawhi they were still the second seed in the east albeit a, a weaker east and then this year they always had a down year but now they'll have the fourth overall pick so regardless of if they draft someone or use that in like a trade they'll be a much better team next year i think and they could be i think they'll be fighting for a playoff spot and definitely better than this 100 to 1 odds that they're given i i agree even though i am a biased raptors fan uh they they should that that fourth overall pick will come in handy like you said either with a trade or getting possibly uh i think they're thinking it's like jalen green jalen suggs uh, who's like the I can't I can't remember. Uh, Jonathan Kuminga. Yeah, Kuminga. 
Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, another one. Yeah. So, like, any of those players could most likely make uh, an impact maybe on the bench, depending on uh, what position they go for, which I don't think you should draft. They aren't going to draft for position. They're going to draft best available. But whatever position he fills in that role, if somehow Evan Mobley drops to fourth, the Raptors are taking him in a heartbeat, and he'll be their starting center. But uh, A team I'm really interested to see how they develop next year, and this is not commentary on their odds per se, but 125 to 1 odds new orleans pelicans um they've been kind of screwed by injuries in the past couple years but this last year they kind of put together a little bit uh didn't come out with a great record but i think the development of zion is it will be incredibly fun to watch i think they'll vie for a playoff spot for sure along with uh those kind of rising teams like the, the wolves and the kings and they probably out of those teams have the best shot for sure Super, uh, something super interesting with the Pelicans is um, uh, the future of Lonzo Ball and where he ends up this offseason. Yeah, he could go mm-hmm. anyway. Like, I see Knicks. Where, where are the possible lineups? Knicks. Uh, I don't know why I'm just thinking of the Knicks. There's there's one other place. Like, it, it's not coming to my head. Well, because he's a restricted free agent this year, and I'm pretty sure the Pelicans said they aren't willing to. I guess these are reports that I take with the grain of salt, but they aren't willing to to what's it called necessarily match if the offer is like too big, like in the twenties and stuff. So I could definitely see him getting like signed and traded to like yeah, like New York, Philadelphia, Chicago. Could all be him, uh, I think reasonable spots for him to go. Um, assuming Chris Paul were never to uh, w- would not want to return to Phoenix. Of course, we 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 don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. I feel as though the Pelicans would be a decent fit for him. Right now, they exist sort of independent of a true uh, pass first guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lonzo averaged six assists last year, but he's not. Uh, he, he you still see him taking some shots that are indeed questionable. Yeah, you add a veteran presence like Chris Paul who doesn't demand the ball that much, uh, but can get you a good shot when necessary. We definitely saw that in the finals. Uh, I, I think he complements uh, a Zion pretty, pretty damn well. And Brandon Ingram working off ball, I very much like that offense, hypothetically. And then Chris Paul could probably also get like guys such like a center, like Steven Adams more involved despite with lobs and just like getting him more paint touches also. Just Absolutely. make that whole team better. I heard... um. There were a bunch of rumors for uh, Lonzo on the trade block this year. Mm-hmm. So yes, many yeah. rumors. Interesting if he stays. I think he'll definitely get signed and traded somewhere. He's a good player. He is. Really he's like very good. He's developed his game very well. He can throw some good lobs, and his three pointers have gotten a lot better, shooting thirty-seven percent the past two years. Thirty-seven, yeah. That's pretty damn good. He's been playing really well. Yeah. What do you guys think about Lonzo potentially getting going back to LA to fill that point guard spot? That could help them a lot. Yeah, I totally forgot he was originally drafted by LA, right? Mm-hmm. But then he was Spent traded in the, eight, in the in the AD trade, right? Yeah, him and Brandon. So, did, so he played one season with LeBron, right? Yes, yeah. one. Okay. I actually I like that a lot for Lonzo hypothetically, because that's a position where he doesn't have to be a pass-first guard because you already have one of the best playmakers in the world in LeBron James. I I very much like that. Uh, it depends on uh, uh, what happens with Schroeder, for sure. But I, I like Lonzo Ball at the Lakers, for sure. Any closing thoughts you guys have? Any hyper-overrated, hyper-underrated teams for next year before we move on? Hyper underrated are the uh, OKC Thunder. Keep I knew he was gonna say it. Um, SGA, he might he might be in the MVP race. Just watch out. No, We're gonna get a Baisley most improved. Uh, we'll win. We'll I win could see him most improved. Be an eight seed. We'll be an eight seed. We'll make it out of the first round. I feel it's important to note that Max is saying we because he is a Oklahoma Bias. City Thunder Oklahoma fan. City fan. Um. 
Hyper underrated, I'm going to say. No, not like that. God, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They, well, I, I, said they, it, I they, said it for you, Jeff. I, I said it for they're, you. They're a fringe playoff team, though. Yeah, if for they sure. stay healthy. Which uh, healthy is a very big question mark with Minnesota sports. Might, might as well go and say it. Raptors, underrated. Want to finish out the, the, the finish it out, Ibuki was saying the Bucks are underrated? Massively overrated Golden State Warriors, like we said before. So we just want to mention that again, how like stupidly overrated they are. Yeah. Like, Very overrated. All right. <laughs> I would love to see him prove, prove it. I, wrong, I quite honestly, I'd like to see it. Cause I'm a, I'll, I'm, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm a big fan of the best player in the world, Mr. Stephen Curry. Wow. Game changer. Game changer. Game, he's a game changer. Kevin Durant yeah, the best player in the world? Hell no. No, it's Stephen Curry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. It's actually Yuta Watanabe of the Toronto Raptors. That's not what you were saying a week ago, Jeff. What happened? Well, weren't, you, weren't you saying, like, yesterday, uh, something seven? That's a prediction. Look where that got you. That that's a prediction. That's not an opinion. I thought the Suns were gonna win. In well, seven. that's your they opinion. Didn't. That's your opinion. You your opinion is that the Bucks will win. In, I mean, the but a week Suns ago, Jeff seven. was like, "Yeah, KD's the best in the world," and now he's like, "Steph is." Can what your changed, opinion? Jeff? Do opinions what have changed? to stay? Yeah. Okay, Jeff. If this is if you're gonna defend this, what changed? Because opinions are allowed to change. Okay. Well, first of all, my opinions did not change. Yeah, I did. I think like it's important to note that whenever you're talking about best player in the world, like. You, like, everyone knows Steph Curry, so you just naturally exclude him from the conversation. No. Outside of Stephen Curry, is Kevin Durant. But uh, what Steph, changed, Stephen Curry is the yeah. best player in basketball history. What? Okay, okay. End the podcast. I'm done. End the podcast. Um, big news out of the college sports world. Texas and Oklahoma are reportedly eyeing an exit from the Big 12 in favor of, guess who? The SEC. This this is big, the the Big Twelve, Oklahoma and uh, Texas A and M have been like running the what do you call it the Big Twelve. They've been stealing the show. Like if you one second here while I pull up the uh, rankings for the past few years, but Jeff, you can you can talk while I find those real quick. Um, if if you're unfamiliar with college football. Oklahoma is the New England Patriots uh, of the AFC East, at least before last year. Uh, I can't think really of the last time Oklahoma lost the Big 12. Uh, if Oklahoma left the Big 12, it would be a loss at which you might have to dissolve the conference. Perhaps that's a bit extreme, but uh, I don't see a future for the Big 12 that doesn't involve Oklahoma. Especially if yeah. Oklahoma State is still in that conference. So the past four years, Oklahoma has won the... What do you call it? Uh, the past... Uh, sorry, past six years, Oklahoma has won the Big 12. Uh, they are always a top 25 team. Except for in 2014, they weren't. Uh, but yeah, if they leave and go to the SEC, it is going to be extremely hard for Oklahoma to make the playoffs. Then they have to play much better teams that than they are right now. Like some of the teams that play Texas Tech, West Virginia, uh, Kansas, TCU, Baylor. Like those are teams that just give them free wins to boost their stats. So the voters are more likely to vote for them. When they move to SEC, depending if they go to the which SEC like division, uh, either the East or the West, right? It's separating the East and West. Yes. yes. Uh, they obviously are going to play different teams, but I feel like it's going to be much harder for them to make the playoffs. I think they should stay in the Big 12. They will have a more likely chance at making the playoffs in that way, and I don't see a reason why you would move to the SEC. Maybe to like it's not even like make yourself more known because. People already know Oklahoma, Texas A&M. Like it's, it's not like you're trying to get into a better conference. It's still a Power Five conference. In, I, I think though, day. for for athletics, for uh, athletic departments, uh, 
I, th- I think the college football situation as it lies right now is a temporary situation. I, Oklahoma, uh, 10 to 15 years ago, was not in a position at the top of the college football world that they are in now. Yeah. Perhaps I'm misremembering. That's uh, possible. But I don't feel like they were this back, dominant. Let's go back 10, 10 years, years ago, ago, so 2011. Uh, well, 2011. They were still very dominant. I, 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 I will, 2011, I will. they were champions. 2010, uh, t- they were champions. 2012, uh, they were co-champions. 2013, they were uh, not champions. But uh, 2008, champions. Uh, here we go. 2007, champions. 2006, champions. Oh, my gosh. In 2005, it was Texas beating Colorado 70-3. to But, but the, So they have been dominant for the past 15, 20 years. And Perhaps I, a better way to phrase that is that they haven't been like, this consistently dominant. Yeah, this consistently. This consistently in the college football picture, college football class. They're consistently getting those high, before. those high recruits, and they're every year people I feel like hype up Oklahoma, and then they just miss out. Or uh, I can't remember the last time. I want to say it was two years ago where they missed, or they made. Sorry, they made, and then they're the team that got blown up by Ohio State in 2019. I think no. I can't remember. Let me look real quick. I, I know they've gotten beat handily by uh, Alabama at least once. But again, I believe uh, for sure that uh, in the likes of Nebraska and Miami, uh, Oklahoma football's dominance is temporary. And perhaps they won't have a downfall quite as severe as Nebraska and Miami. But I feel that no team's destiny is certain at this point. And so a move to the SEC, which would create, in my opinion, many more big rivalries would benefit them more than staying in the Big 12 where they're currently there. They have a couple good rivalries, but really lack a lot of power. They have uh, a rivalry with Texas, which is very popular, as you know, and Oklahoma State. Outside of that, there's not too much. But if, if you move to the SEC, then you're routinely playing teams such as LSU, uh, Texas A&M, who they were formerly uh, played, I believe, every year as part of the old Big 12, and uh, Alabama, of course. Yeah. Uh, so I was talking about in 2019 when Oklahoma had a against LSU and lost 63-28, to but they made the playoffs in 2019, 2018. 2017, uh, 2015. So out of since college football playoffs have been a thing, they've made it almost every year. They didn't make it this past year. Uh, uh, I believe that's probably to do to do because of their early loss to uh, Kansas State. They always they've lost to like Kansas State the past like three years, no, two years I think, and this kind of rolled them except for. In 2019, when they were able to just barely make barely make it in, but yeah, I think if they move to the SEC, they have a way less chance of making the college football playoffs. Especially if they change the format to what I think they should do—the five Power Five winners—and then one Group of Five. There's no way they'd make it because that means they'd have to win the SEC, and they're just not doing that at this time. They're not going to beat Alabama this upcoming year, maybe in future years, but who knows. Although I believe that if Oklahoma and Texas left the Big 12, they would not move forward with a proposal such as the 16. No, for sure player. not. For sure not. Yeah, um, I think they'd keep it at the top four. But I, I feel like that I don't think it's smart for Oklahoma or Texas to move. They should have stayed put, in, in my opinion. One thing that we haven't even touched on is, is Texas. Oklahoma leaving is huge in its own right. But uh, te- Texas is too. That would break up so many Texas. rivalries. Like Oklahoma's gonna stay, but Texas versus uh, what's another uh, like I, I guess Texas versus Texas Tech isn't that big of a rivalry, but it's 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 a fairly big deal. And then there's Texas and Baylor and Texas okay, and yeah. TCU. Um, all the Texas teams they usually play would that would split up a rivalry. That would be that those schools probably look forward to having every year. How, however, I should say that. Perhaps, uh, like, 
I would say top five rivalry in college football history, Texas and Texas A&M would be getting the mini. I yeah, think for yeah, many probably. Texas fans, that would make up the difference. And plus, they're keeping their rivalry with Oklahoma. I uh, and, and Texas, what they've lacked in football prominence in the past uh, decade or so, they more than make up for with their prominence in the athletics world. And I mean that outside of just football. In basketball, they're a consistent, at, at the very least, a decent presence. In baseball, they're consistently uh, a top 25 team. There's so many sports in which they're dominant. I believe it's either them or Texas A&M who has the uh, largest athletics budget in the entire NCAA. I, I believe Losing Texas would be a huge yeah. deal. I believe it's well. A&M. And I think earlier I actually was talking about – I said Texas A&M. It is Texas, the Longhorns, and Oklahoma thinking of leading, not A&M. It was the Texas Longhorns and Oklahoma Sooners. So I just wanted to clarify that in, ca- in case people listening were confused since there are a lot of colleges in Texas. But, yeah, I think Texas and Oklahoma should stay put. It, I just think it makes the most sense at a financial level and like college football, like wanting to win level too. I, I, I actually, uh, I'm going to disagree. I think that, and this is to make no comment on the impact on the, uh, entire college sports world, but for Texas and Oklahoma themselves, uh, an exodus from the big 12, which has been, to say uh, it's at the very least a questionable situation long-term for them. I think moving to the SEC is permanently, I would say, gives them good rivalries in all sports. In, in basketball, the SEC basketball is, uh, in the past decade has arguably been, uh, uh, I would say, third best, second to only the Big Ten and ACC. Uh, baseball SEC is very much the best. Football sure. SEC is obviously the best. And Oklahoma yeah. baseball is pretty good. I don't. I can't speak for Texas, but Texas you, baseball is very good. I, I was best. more talking about college, just college football. When you bring up other sports, I start to see it as a good option for that too. But I just feel like for football, it's not the best option for them. Yeah, I, I think but for if you include all other sports, I, I forgot to take that into account. That it's not just college football. Other sports exist. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's I, a I, – I would say – I don't think it happens next year. For sure not because the, I think schedule schedules have already come out. So, no, yeah, it can't, it can't be next – like this upcoming season. Probably not season after that, but maybe in two, three years they could do it. It will be very interesting to watch how it plays out. Uh, I I, I want to note this. Uh, this just coming in from about 40 minutes ago. Uh, breaking news that early next week, the Longhorns and the Sooners, uh, Texas and Oklahoma respectively, will send a letter to the Big 12 Conference stating that neither school will renew their media contracts when they expire in 2025. Okay, okay. Uh, that so... could just be purely clerical to get yeah. the Big 12 to make some management moves. But, but yeah, that's, it could absolutely be a big move. Yeah, that could that could develop into something really big. I think. Um, and of of course, a whole lot of stuff would have to happen between now and then. For, oh yeah, for sure. But, but yeah. that's and and oh, and another report. Uh, the Texas and Oklahoma contacted the SEC about leaving the Big Twelve, and the SEC has expressed mutual interest okay. in in that movement. I don't see why the SEC wouldn't express some interest because it would only be making more competition for them, and that's what you want at the end of the day. You want more competition in that in your oh, yeah, in your conference. And yeah. uh, and uh, a quick before I move on, the I think imagine the SEC West with Alabama, uh, LSU. I don't know how Auburn would fit into that scenario because you know, you'd have to balance out the conference, uh, the the division some way. Perhaps you could move Oklahoma to the East Division or something, but at the very least, you're adding Texas into a already loaded division, the toughest division in college football, unquestionably, with Texas A&M, Auburn, LSU, uh, Alabama, 
uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. For sure, the, the toughest uh, conference in college football. And like, uh, even division, like whatever they yeah. classify it as. But I think uh, that's all in the college football world. Real quick news. before I move on. Uh, do you see a future for the Big 12 uh, should Oklahoma and Texas leave? Uh, what do you mean by future? Like, they, I think they're going to... The conference gonna... that actually stays alive and sustains itself. Uh, well, obviously they're still going to, like, stay alive just for the historical... It's not like they're going to move to, like, a group of five. But it's going to be harder for them to make a name for themselves. It's kind of like how, uh, what do you call it, the Pac-12 has kind of been regressing over the years. You're going to have that one top team, like, that one Oregon who's always pretty good. And, like, in the top 25, but besides that, the rest of the teams are kind of just going to be, like, not as good. I would agree. I think at some point, naturally, nature would uh, play its course. And a team would kind of rise up above all those other teams. In my opinion, that would be, like, Oklahoma State or Baylor. But until that time, the Big 12 is in major, major, major trouble. I don't know if I see a future for them. Yeah, it could, it could be hard. For sure. All right. Uh, moving on, big news uh, from the IOC in the past couple of days. Brisbane, Australia has been named the host of the 2032 Olympics. And an unprecedented move. I believe it's the furthest out it's ever been announced. Uh, an Olympics host. Yeah, that's, a, that's 11 years out. That just seems like really far away. Uh, the last time Australia hosted the Olympics was in 2000 when Sydney hosted it. Uh, now uh, Brisbane and uh, in coordinates with the rest of uh, Queensland will be hosting the 2032 that, Summer Olympics. Yeah, so How do we like ask, Brisbane as gonna, a... Oh, sorry, you go. I was, I was just about to ask if, if it's summer. I, I, was almost, I was almost assuming it was summer, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I think... I don't know much about... Uh, like... The, the Olympics, I, I, I'm more focused on Winter Olympics because I, I like I like hockey, but uh, I feel like I, I've never been to Australia, but I've heard a lot of people talk highly of it. Yeah, it's in a – I know, like, one of the big issues with Olympics is that, like, when it, when they did in Brazil in was – it, was it, when was the Olympics? No. Am I am – I 2016. Yeah, 2016. Yeah, 2016. Like – that that really messed up the country the, the country of Brazil like especially Rio like it, it it they had to get all these facilities and then they just were left to like un like what what's the word I'm looking for like not maintenanced and just really left in shambles and it like kind of did some really bad things for the country but I just hope that's not the same for Australia I don't think it would be but. Uh, that's my main concern with the Olympics every year is the aftermath of that. Obviously, I, during the Olympics, like all the tourism drives the city. And it's yeah, it booms and for like that what month. Afterwards, it's a little tougher. I guess you have to like you have to create the the Olympic stadiums with like a future use in mind. And yeah. I think Australian sports in general sure. are definitely like on the rise. Like the Australian basketball league's taking off. Yeah, that's and I assume they have, they have like rugby down there. So I feel like they could definitely make use of the stadiums, even though it might be like the the track might be like bigger than needed on like your average rugby field. But I think they'll still be able to use them just fine. Yeah, and I, I think a part of the reason that in 2016 uh, the, the facilities after Rio had trouble was because Brazil, as a as a country overall, is not as uh, financially well off, at least in some respects, than uh, the United States, Canada, uh, the UK. And of course, Australia, other countries that have hosted it in the past. I think Australia is in a much better position to handle that than Brazil. But yeah, I do definitely sure. get a concern because, uh, I mean, that's all we've really seen. And well, that's our that's our last experience of uh, the Summer Olympics, and yeah. we don't really know how the COVID Olympics are going to go with uh, no fans. Games. No like, fans. If you, know. you get COVID, you're you're out. You you. You quarantine for a little bit. Sorry, my mic cut out there for a little bit. You quarantine and then you just plane straight home. Like you, you can't even you can't even uh, stay, which could yeah. really you gotta be you gotta make sure you're making the right decisions at the right time. But 
I don't think they're... I think Brooklyn's a, uh, a good area. I think it's a good area to have the Olympics. When do you say the last time Australia hosted was 2000? 2000, yes. Yeah, so it'll be about 30 years. Like, it'll bring in some... I know Brisbane's, Brisbane's probably like the second biggest city in Australia. Third. Third? What, Sydney... Then Melbourne, Melbourne. Oh, that I knew it was something with the M, but yeah, top three. It's like, it's like the New York, uh, LA, and Chicago of. It's like the Chicago of the U.S., the third biggest city. So even though Chicago yeah. could never host, I don't think Chicago could ever host the Olympics. I I actually have some strong feelings about yeah. that, but I won't express them very much here. Okay. Um, but I think Chicago would be a great place. But uh, I think part of the reason that uh, Brisbane this was announced so far out or that they decided this so far out perhaps is the big, because the Olympics are increasingly becoming a burden, almost not burden perhaps, but uh, very risky to host. Uh, in Rio, you had problems with the, uh, the abandoned facilities, but like, like you mentioned, uh, now you're having issues with, you're building all these huge facilities for the Tokyo Olympics that will, uh, most likely never see fans, at least for a, a year or two. Uh, I think that uh, the financial issues that cities are facing makes it really difficult to lock down cities. I think that's why they announced it this far out. Not that it, they were just super excited to do it. Because usually in the past, they announced it seven years out. This was the first time ever. I think it was announced 11 years out. Yeah, I feel like... Uh... I don't know how good this would be for the Olympics, but just like having them in the same place every year, or maybe not switching it up every like 20 years, like that would make it, I feel like that would make it, that makes so much more sense. So you think you should have five Olympics in one spot and just change every other decade? Yeah. Every other decade. I feel like that would be, um... I feel like that would make it so these, uh, so like every, you could use, the facilities as like training facilities for when the Olympics aren't going on. And obviously it'd be different for uh, summer and winter because some winter, like you can't have, you couldn't have like the bobsledding in like somewhere in where's like a really hot place, like the middle East. Like you'd have to have summer and winter in different locations. I, I, I do like the variety uh, posed yeah, by uh, Brisbane hosting these, uh, well just overall different cities hosting it each year and Brisbane hosting these Olympics because uh, as I'm not fond of uh, Paris hosting it in 2024, who's already hosted it twice, and LA, who has already hosted it twice. I'm not a fan yeah, of that. I at think all. the, I think the, what do you call it? Disparity? No, the, something of the Disparities. word. Disparities. There we go. Are, are good. I, I, it's kind of boring to see the, some same cities repeat, but yeah, I think we should move into our final topic. Uh, some breaking news out of the MLB. We just got word, like, I think it was like two or three hours ago that, uh, uh, Yerman Mercedes is, looks like he's going to be retiring. And for this, we are going to bring in our MLB, uh, insider. I don't know. I don't know how, what, a, what the word I'm looking for is, but the dude who knows the most about the NBA and his name is, uh, Max Ashton. So MLB. He's going to talk a little bit about Yerman Mercedes. Matt, Max, you got the floor. Yeah. Uh, so, Yerman Mercedes, he's had quite a bit of a career. Uh, well, I wouldn't say career season so far. Uh, he was a rookie, qualifies a rookie this year, even though he was 28. He uh, started uh, his career with the most straight hits. He went 8 for 8 in his first career at bats uh, through uh, June or through eight, May, I should say. Bad 415. Uh, then uh, his manager called him out for uh, swinging 3-0 uh, when a positional player was pitching when their the team he was playing on was up by 11, which is kind of like one of many unwritten rules in uh, baseball. Uh, after he got called out, uh, he, bad, he was statistically the worst hitter in baseball by 159 in June. Uh and he eventually got called down to AAA, and which he didn't do terrible. He still bat three hundred nine in AAA for his small set or small sample size. But on Instagram today, uh, he announced that he was going to retire. Uh, he was like saying how fortunate he was, and it 
looks like the end of his career. From, from what, I, what I'm hearing is that it has something to do with his mental health, which I yes. feel like is something that is not talked about enough in sports is how Agreed. these these players' mental health, like they, I see more and more teams always signing on new mental health people because it's such a big issue, not even just sports. I'm going to try to stay on sports, but just in the world in general, especially male athletes, mental health isn't talked about enough. But like, that's a huge factor that I can see uh, implemented, uh, impacting the future of all sports, especially those sports like MLB where burnout, I feel like, is a lot easier to happen because of how many games they play in a season. Yeah. I feel like burnout yeah. is a lot easier than in the NFL because usually an MLB player's career is spent a lot of going uh, – they can go a lot of back and forth. They could be – one day you could be starting uh, MLB – like Yerma Mercedes, he's very good. And then just like a month later, you could be in your AAA. You could be, you could even go down to Double A. Like that would take such a toll on someone's mental health, just like and their uh, self confidence. Like you used to be this, um, this great athlete. You're getting so much uh, publicity and everything, and now you're getting that negative publicity of you're getting demoted. Like that would just, as as an athlete myself, I would just get so demotivated if if I was in that situation that. I would I would have the same thing Herman Mercedes was doing, just say call it quits for now. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. Like well, I have experience for baseball, but baseball has so much downtime. It's such a mental sport. Like you always gotta be thinking like even in let's say you're playing at like any position, uh you gotta know where what you're gonna do in any play. And you just gotta keep on thinking that mental toll definitely has impacts on players. For sure. Jeff, do you want to say anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, in, in recent years, we've seen uh, the NFL and the NBA particularly taking big steps to help try to acknowledge players' mental health, and I think that's very important. I think it's tremendous steps that have been made, especially in the case uh, last year. Uh, uh, Dak Prescott had some uh, expressed some of his mental health issues, and Skip Bayless went after him. And really, the whole community went out uh, to defend Dak Prescott, which I found really encouraging. Baseball, we haven't For seen sure, that yeah. so much in the past, but uh, what I've seen so far uh, from baseball communities online, at least, is really encouraging. Uh, and yeah. I think, especially it's with the right baseball, thing to do. with baseball, you're fighting every single day to keep your job. Uh, in the NFL, you can have, uh, if you have a bad game, you. Uh, you get time to kind of recoup, re recuperate from it. Same with the NBA uh, to a lesser extent. But uh, baseball, you don't get that much time. Baseball, if, you could go if like... If your average drops, you're, you're almost done. Baseball, you could go like 10 days playing a game every day. So that's just insane to me. I think that is all we have for today's episode. Uh, any, last, any last thoughts from anybody? Anybody can chime in. Uh... Thunder and seven. That's all I have to say. Amazing predictions from our one of our front men, Mr. Max Kimmel. Dodgers will win the NL West. Um, the Dodgers are not winning shit. Uh, uh, the Fraudres. Uh, yeah, what's up with the Fraudres? Doesn't matter. Giants winning the West. Uh, well, they appear to be losing, and if they lose right now, then they're tied. Well, if the Giants lose right now, they'll still be one game up in the loss column, which we can all agree it's all matters. No, they'll be, game up. they'll be tied. Are they playing the Dodgers right now? Yeah, no, it's two to one in the eighth. Dodgers, I'm watching. All right, all right, but we can all agree that 59 and 36 is better than 60 and 37 because winning teams win more often than they lose. Yeah, oh, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have something to Lost say. Lost columns, all that matters. I just feel like this might be an unpopular opinion, but the Giants are a kind of boring team to watch. Like, they have no superstars, and they're all just hey, like... Hey, Crawford? Average player. He's not a superstar. Posey's the their best Red hitter. Sox. The Red Sox. The Red Sox. Are Name one player on the Red Sox, Max. Me? Uh, no, Ashton. Danny Santana. Uh, Jermaine Bielner. J.D. Martinez. He's looking at the roster. I I watch baseball. Michael no, Chavez, he's a good second baseman. I think he should win the Gold Glove. No, he shouldn't. Yeah, this 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 is yeah. 
Nice. You have no idea what you're talking about. We're playing good. Yeah, we also playing terrible teams. Max, do you think I David Ortiz should win the golden sombrero? That dude yes. retired so long ago. <laughs> do you think he should win the golden sombrero, though? Do you think he should? It's not a, Max, uh, it's, this is not the golden sombrero. I don't know exactly what it is. I know it's not good, though. It's four strikeouts in a game. Yeah, four, yeah, four strikeouts in a game. game. Hey, what about oh, the platinum wait. sombrero, though? It's a five. <laughs> yeah, it's five. <laughs> Just... That means your team would be have to do like so good, but you would have to be doing so bad because five at bats in a game is like your team is just like hitting a bunch, but then you're just like not doing anything. Ooh, the three players that have earned a platinum sombrero more than twice are Sammy Sosa, Ray Lankford, and Aaron Judge. I was gonna say Reggie Bob? Jackson. He holds well the MLB like strikeout like hitting strikeout will be broken like twenty years. Mike Trout is on pace to break it, so but I mean he's on pace, but he used to strike out thirty percent of that bats, but he's lowered that by like three percent a year since like his fourth season. And uh but like Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton. Is Mike Trout still the goat? He's yeah. injured right now. He's hurt but... though. Yeah. That's why I was trying to the scouting team right now. Well, Trout's the better player, but Shoei's the more marketable and exciting player. And mm -hmm. he's young is he's younger, right? Yeah. So he's yeah, gonna. They're gonna. Well, Trout's been around for like a while yeah. now. He, yeah, he. So he's it, gonna be the next one they go to. Tenth year baseball was like two weeks ago. Has Trout ever even like played? Been in the playoffs? He's been yes. once. Once. They won a wild card game. They got swept by the Royals, I believe. He, I think he hit a homer though. But they, they need to send Otani and Trout to the playoffs. Yeah. Fun little fact from baseball history. Uh, the last player to uh, record six strikeouts in a game, eight players have done it in baseball history, is Jeff Jenkins of the Milwaukee Brewers in 2004. And the overall record for most strikeouts in professional baseball happened uh, on the Lexington Legends, the Class A affiliate of the Kansas City Royals, at least at the time. Khalil Lee struck out eight times. Khalil Lee. He's he on That's the like mix now. And the he. Diamond uh, he had a walk-off. He's actually on my Diamond Dynasty team, and I will be the show. Uh, but he's a bomb, it sounds like. Well, he, uh, he's on the Mets right now, I believe. Oh, okay. Unless there's a di unless he's a different player. How recent was this? 2017. Yeah, it's probably the same player. Okay. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Great chatting with you guys. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the JBM Podcast. We'll be back soon, with hopefully with some Olympic basketball, maybe some other sports as well. A little bit of discussion from those. Until then, this is JBM Podcast signing off.